Mac Power Users, episode 674, Workflows with Sean Blanc. Hello and welcome back to Mac Power Users. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined as always by my friend and yours, Mr. David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Stephen. How are you today? I am great. I'm excited about our guest, our first guest for the new year. Welcome, Sean. Hey, guys. How's it going? Man, it's so good to talk to you. Been looking forward to this one, Sean, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. How are you doing? I am so happy to be here. Doing really great. Like, literally two of, like, my best internet friends in the world. Uh, You guys, so very excited to chat for the next, whatever, 12 hours, right? Is that the plan? Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. 12 hours. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. (laughs) Until our voices just literally give out one or Mm -hmm. the other. Yeah. When we were scheduling for today, gang, uh, Sean was saying, hey, uh, I can't wait to be on the show, but I'm taking this week off, so I won't be able to look at anything. So the week between New Year's and Christmas, Sean Blanc just didn't do anything except probably hang out with his family and work on his truck. And that is one of the reasons why we love you, Sean. Oh, thanks. Yeah. If, if you'd like... I could take more time off if that would endear you to me even more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's aspirational for me, honestly. I keep trying to do that, and sometimes I succeed, and usually I don't. But uh, but you're so good at it. I, uh, I really do admire that about you. But um, here you are today on the Mac Power Users, starting out the new year, and it is definitely time to check in. For people who don't know Sean, um, uh, he does so much on the Internet. Um, the uh, sweet setup, that's Sean. Uh, um, the focus course that's Sean. He does a, he does a bunch of cool stuff. We, I think the first time you and I met Sean was at MacWorld on the floor, MacWorld years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, I've just uh, I've always admired the the work you do over there at Sweet Setup and the stuff you guys make, and um, you help a lot of people out with productivity and technology. And uh, you're you're also very thoughtful. Um, my impression is of you, you're a very thoughtful user of technology. And I think that's something important. People are starting to wake up to the fact that technology isn't always our friend and, and learning how to use it thoughtfully is, is really the answer. And uh, so we're really happy to have you on today. Awesome. Yeah, thanks. I love this stuff. Talk about it all day. Before we get started, we got a couple quick announcements. We got a new website feature. We do. Yeah. So I spent my time between <laughs> Christmas and New Year's uh, working on uh, a new feature on the, the Relay website. So you can now go to relay.fm slash MPU slash feedback, and we've got a form there. Uh, You know, over the years, we've taken feedback a bunch of different ways, and uh, the email is still open, the forums are still open, but uh, I at least am not on social media anymore, and uh, it feels like a lot of our audience is kind of moving away from that. So we wanted a way for some, some people to send short feedback that, you know, wasn't an email. Some people just want to, you know, fire something off. And so we've got a, a form there and it feeds into our content management system and we can check it on the back end. And, you know, those will go in line with all of our other uh, bits of feedback for our, our, our famous feedback episodes. Uh, but if that's, you know, that fits the way you want to get in touch, go check it out. So there'll be a link uh, in the show notes from here on out. It's, it's automatically there. And it's a great way to get in touch with something uh, short and sweet or any questions or anything like that. And I would ask that, honestly, that be your first choice if you're giving us feedback, because 
we have a system for this and it it just it makes it much easier for us to address it and for us to include it in feedback shows whereas the email requires us to go through different hoops so just a, as a, a nerd request gang if you have feedback we'd we'd request it through there but you can send us email that's okay yeah. it's not the end of the world some people sent me handwritten letters over the christmas break i got two letters in the po box so you really can do that to i guess to our po box but uh, seriously, the feedback form is the way to go. But, you know, if you could get a message and put it in one of those little jugs they put on the, the, the dogs, you know, like in Canada, like the little wooden jugs, and you could send me feedback that way, and I answer my door, and there's a dog there with a message, I would actually prefer that. That would be – let me revise. That's number one. Okay. Dog with a bottle on its neck. And number two is the feedback form. But, Highly specific. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, on more power users today, we're going to be talking about the joy of wrenching. Um, yes. Uh, both uh, Sean and and Steven are guys who like to work on their vehicles. Uh, we're going to talk <laughs> about that. I don't know how this happened because uh, I Sean also likes to do woodworking, and somehow Steven beat me to the punch because, you know, I could talk about the joy of hand planing, but, you know, I guess that's not going to happen. In my brain, they're both the same category. Like, this is garage. Yeah. It's the garage. Yes. Like the Jeep is out there. The workshops out there. To me, they're both. Yeah. But yeah. The day my wife started referring to the garage as the shop is the day I knew I won. Let's just, let's just (laughs) say that right now. (laughs) That's great. Okay. All right. So catching up with Sean, um, uh, we've talked about some of the stuff you do. Sean's in Kansas city. Um, you got three boys. How old are your kids now, Sean? Uh, my oldest is almost 11 and then we yeah. got a nine year old and a six year old. I feel like I've been on the journey with you, man, the 11 years old now. So that, that changes kind of your life a little bit as they start get older, they start having their own opinions and thoughts about what they want to be doing. Uh, so we'll, we'll probably get into that a little bit. Um, but the, um, but you know, what, what are you doing with your days right now? I kind of talked about your, your various platforms, although I'm, I left out tools and toys, which is another great website. Um, but what are you doing with your time? Well, I just got back obviously from the holiday break. So as we're recording this, I'm kind of catching back up, swinging into like the new year for us. And so we, uh, do a lot of coaching now and like online programs, we do cohorts, like live, um, live online stuff as well as in-person events. And so for us, like January is sort of Super Bowl season because that's when everyone's thinking about time management and goal setting and new habits and all that stuff. And that's kind of right at the crux of what we teach. So we have a new program that's starting for January, like one of our academies for the focus course uh, kicks off in a little bit. And then we're also doing something new with business owners. We just have a lot of folks that go through our stuff that are uh, creative entrepreneurs that run small businesses or kind of have a a hustle that they're, they're building. And so we started doing some stuff specifically for them. So a lot of my time right now is just going towards uh, developing the like the content and the curriculum for our training stuff that we're doing with folks, which is um, a lot of fun. I really I enjoy it a lot. Actually, this is probably the most exciting I've been in a, in a few years. So, yeah, and that new uh, program for uh, companies is called Focus Like a Boss, which, by the way, is just a great great name. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> My wife came up with that. I like she gets all the. She does all the branding for me um, secretly because we'll be, I'll be noodling about some idea that I'm thinking of, you know, like we'll be out on a date or like prepping dinner together or whatever. 
And so I'll be like, oh, I'm thinking about this thing and da, da 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 and chat about it. And then she goes, oh, well, you should call it Focus Like a Boss. And it's like her first idea. Like, that's mm-hmm. it. It's perfect. I've definitely had that experience where I'm like really laboring over something. And sometimes it's Mary, oftentimes it is, or maybe it's somebody else at work. And they just swoop in casually with an idea way better than anything I've, you know, sweat over for, for days or weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always a, a humbling moment when that happens, but it is a it is a very good name. Yeah, sometimes you just need separation, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You it the problem is that you're so far into it that you can't see it, and uh, it is nice. Sean, when you first started at SeanBlanc.net, it, it was much more kind of technology software focused. And then over a course of years, it slowly and then quickly kind of switched over to this uh, issue of focus and productivity. Um, was that always your plan or did that just kind of evolve for you? It definitely has evolved. And I think a lot of the stuff, so I'm going on, this is going to be, I think this will be my 12th year running the business um, in like a couple months from now coming up on the anniversary. And I think a lot of the stuff that we've done with the websites and the content and the material that we do, um, and even like who our target audience is and and who the customers are, um, a lot of that has just evolved over the years. One in due, like in part to just the changing landscape of like running an online business, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit. Like it has changed dramatically in the last 12 years. Mm-hmm. And also just the change of what I've been interested in, what I'm doing, what I do best, um, and some of that stuff. And just as I've matured and grown over the years, I think so too has some of the topics that we've talked about and things are a little bit more on the evergreen side. And I try to hit on stuff that's a little bit more um, relevant beyond just the next 24-hour news cycle and things that are going to be relevant in 10 years from now, mm-hmm. uh, not just you know hopefully by tomorrow. Right. So I think those are two big, big transitions for sure over the last 12 years. Yeah. Big questions. I call them big questions. Questions that don't get really answered ever, but they're still important, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you are still a nerd too, Sean, and we know that. So <laughs> so share, share with us your setup these days. What are you driving? So, oh man, I love that we're talking about this. I literally just like bust out another key- keyboard this morning. Um, All right. Just, you know, from the closet of keyboards. I was oh. like, you know, I feel like mixing it up. Um, cause sometimes you just got to mix it up. So I waffle back and forth between, uh, being, you know, Mac primary, you know, Mac OS primary or iPad primary. And I kind of go back and forth and sometimes you just need a shift, uh, yeah. to like break out of a slump or whatever. So, but my main driver right now is I have the M one air and I think it's maxed out with, cause you can't configure it other than when you just buy it. So I maxed it out with all the Ram, uh, and the, the storage that I could. And I've been using that for, I don't know, like a couple of years. I got it shortly after they first came out. And then I have the studio display uh, running that with, I think, the Elgato uh, T or the um, Thunderbolt 4 hub, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, And then I've got the Keytron Q2 keyboard, which is by far my favorite mechanical keyboard of the last decade. It's just about perfect for me. So I really love it. Um, I just wish it was Bluetooth. It's only wired, but at the same time, that means I never have to wait for it to connect or turn on or charge. It's just always working. So right. I guess it's uh yeah, give and take. If we're going to go down this rabbit hole, what kind of <laughs> switches and, you know, come on, give us the whole gory details. 
So I, I got super into mechanical keyboards, I want to say like 10 or 11 years ago. Um, and it's like one of the reviews that started to put me on the map back in the day. And so I did just an inordinate amount of research. I bought a bunch of stuff. The, um, the DOS keyboard, DAS, remember like the yeah. German DAS keyboard. Yeah. yeah those that were a big was, deal. um, it was massive. It weighed like 85 pounds <laughs> and it just took your, took up your whole desk. And like when that came out, people suddenly started getting nerdy about keyboards. And then you've got like John Gruber and Michael Lopp over there. And they're like, well, we've been using like mechanical switch keyboards since you guys were in diapers. And so they were sort of like, oh, welcome to the party, everybody. So back in the day, so I went on eBay and I found one of the Apple extended two keyboards that had the, the Alps switches. And I'm going to mess this up and I'll, I'll probably get a message from somebody um, telling me I'm doing it wrong. But I want to say that the Alps switches that are from Mexico are David. I don't know if you remember, Stephen. If you know, there's one that is like the fake Alps switches, and there's one that's the real. Yeah, that that's the one that uses cane sugar. You want that one? Okay. Well, I got the one. Anyways, I did all this like tried to find the one that had the real switches. So I used like that. So I did all this stuff, you know, years ago, and recorded my microphone typing on the keyboards. And now, like this stuff is just prevalent. You've got you know, mechanical keyboard TikTok basically is like a whole thing now. Yeah. Um, it, which is fun. I love seeing it because they're fantastic keyboards. So, um, the one I have now, the Keytron Q2 is, I think it's my third or fourth Keytron. They make really great stuff. It's got their blue switches, but it's theirs. It's like their, their own, they've made their own ones. It's got the led backlight, which is nice. You can change the color and it doesn't have the function row. So it's the 65%. <clears throat> but it does have, it still has the T, the inverted T for the arrows. And then what's cool is it's got this little like dial in the top right corner, which was similar to what the DOS keyboard had back in the day or the DAS, however you pronounce it. It's got this little dial and you can twist it like a knob and push it in. And so that sort of acts like your cust- like a custom function button since it doesn't have a function row. And so I use that just for controlling my volume for the the speakers on my Mac which is basically all that I ever needed. So it's got the the smaller footprint. Um, it's made. It's got an aluminum body, so it's really nice. Um, really, really happy with it. So I've had it since it first came out. I backed it right away on Kickstarter and got one of the earlier models, and um, I really like it. But then the other one that I got out this morning, um, I felt like doing some typing on the iPad. So I have it's the uh, I think it's called like the Das Good or. Durgod or something like that. I can't, I can't see it yeah. from where I'm sitting, but, um, it's like a different kind of cheaper, but it looks, it's got this old eighties retro vibe to it. Um, and it's got blue switches as well. And so it's, that's kind of fun. And I hooked that up to my iPad and, uh, spent my morning writing time using that, um, you know, from a different desk, different area of the office, which sometimes is fun to mix it up. Like I said, mm-hmm. I really think that if someone's interested in mechanical keyboards, Keychron is the company to start with. I mean, they make great stuff. It's not super expensive. They like they have versions where you can change the switches out if you want without a mm-hmm. soldering iron. I mean, so I just they just kind of showed up the last two or three years, but they just have this massive line of products now, and they're really well built. I I think that's a good one. Yeah, they really would. But all the ones that I have from them are still still work fine and work great. Um, yeah, it's a great spot to start. Now, Sean, we've known each other a long time. We're going to get into some of our joint history uh, a little bit later. But I remember like back in the day, you would review like a 12-inch PowerBook, and then you had a Mac Pro Tower, and then you had a Retina iMac for a long time. 
seems like you've kind of gone back and forth between the desktop and then the laptop as a desktop. So what went into the, the decision to go with the the M1 Air, or, or do you think at some point you'll end up back on a desktop? Uh, Steven, this is, you know me, this is a great question. So it was, a lot of it was just often the, um, the, 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 ba- the trade-off with uh, screens and displays and monitors, and then also the trade-off of portability and different things like that. And so my original, like I said, like, like you said, I had that, that 12 inch PowerBook G4, which in my mind is still like the like pinnacle of like the great, some of the greatest products Apple has ever released. And just such a fantastic laptop, fantastic size. I loved it. And so I had that, but then I got, I started doing some freelance graphic design at the time, but I still needed something that was portable, but doing like Photoshop on a 12 inch PowerBook G4 was not like a great setup. So I used some money that I had saved from doing like CD covers and book covers for, and then I bought the, 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 the tower, the, uh, the Mac pro back in the day, it was like the, the original cheese grater. And I had that with the Apple cinema display, which was just glorious. And then the, when the retina came out is like, you couldn't not have a retina display and mm-hmm. Apple just for whatever, you know, 50 years just wouldn't ship a, a nice separate retina display that was standalone. And so, um, so that's why I went with the retina iMac. That was just a no brainer to me. And then I was holding out on that one. I had it for years, was holding out and needed to upgrade and just got a new one when they came out with the, the mat, the nano display for those iMacs. Cause I was like, who knows? And then I think like three months later they announced Apple Silicon. Um, and I was like, well, all right, but they still, there was no, I had no idea when the new IMAX would come out. And then even still they were the 24 inch. So I was glad to go with the 27 inch for that, that nine, the nano, uh, screen for the iMac. But then with the, I still needed another laptop. And so notion came into play. This is like really weird, but again, we're in the gory nerdy details. So with my business, we have, I have a home office that I work from most of the time, but we also have, uh, like another office space here that my team works out of and they've got their own desks and stuff there. And so I like commute into the office a couple of days a week. And then I work from home a couple of days a week. And so I had my iMac and my iPad as my two primary machines and syncing and all that stuff has gotten so good that it's, it's pretty much everything exists in the cloud. And so it's not a huge conflict to have your data on multiple devices these days, but we use notion for all of our content and editorial stuff. And just like our whole business runs on notion as our like central project management software. And at the time notion on the iPad was a pretty terrible experience. And I was like, this is just not helpful. Anytime I'm in the office, I'm really handicapped with being able to do work so I bought the iPad Air as my replacement for my portable computer. But the iPad Air was so much better than my maxed out, you know, Retina Nano Display i9 iMac. Uh, and it was like one eighth the price or like whatever. It was like so much cheaper and so much better that once the studio display came out, I started using my iPad Air as my primary machine. And I just plug it into the split display when I'm at work. And I just take the laptop to the office when I go into the office and it's been great. I love it. Your MacBook air, not your iPad air, right? Or did, or did you just, Oh yeah. My, my MacBook air. Sorry. Was I saying yeah. iPad air? Yeah. My MacBook air, the M one MacBook air. 
uh, plugs into the the display. And so that's like my, that's it. That's the the computer that I use now for basically 90% of everything. See, the, the dirty secret is that all of us, myself included, could probably get by on a maxed out MacBook Air. It's, they're just so good now. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's the best computer I've ever owned. The battery life, the speed, et cetera. What about on the, uh, the iOS side? So I still have a, um, well, now I've even lost track, uh, since they switched to silicone. So I still have one of the, I think I have the last arm based iPad pro. It's a 12.9 inch. And for a long time, that was my daily driver. And then, like I said, I switched over to the MacBook air, uh, about a year and a half ago. And with the iPad, so I'll use that for photo editing because it's fantastic with Lightroom, like the big display, you can just hold it in your lap and the Apple Pencil is excellent. So all the photos that I take uh, with my nerdy camera, I'll edit those on the iPad. And then I like to use the iPad as well just for like focused writing. So when I've got an article that I'm working on or an idea that I'm trying to flesh out, um, a lot of times I'll sit down with just the iPad like I did this morning, I spent a couple hours with like one of the, my other keyboards plugged into that and just use Ulysses in full screen mode on the iPad is a really great setup. So that's mostly what I use iOS for nowadays. It's just writing and photo editing. Do you feel any desire to upgrade that machine? The iPad? Yeah. No, not right yeah, now. That, that's the problem, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. good and they last forever. And um, you know, every time Apple has quarter results, and everybody wrings their hands about the iPad. It's well, it's because they're good devices and they last a long time. Yeah, they really do. And my wife has the one that's two generations before this one, even, and that's her only computer that she uses, and it still works great. How about your phone? I am. <laughs> you guys are going to shame me. I'm still on the iPhone 12 because it's the Mini, and this is just the greatest phone of all time. And I'm so, I love it. I love the the form factor. And I was going to upgrade to the, I was hoping they would come out with the iPhone 14 mini. And of course they didn't. And so for me, I'm just hanging on to this one. I'll probably upgrade to the 13, I guess at some point, because uh, the battery life on my iPhone 12 is not very good, but I just love the small phone. So I'm just holding on to it for as long as I possibly can, because it might be the last one they make. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people in what I would call the cult of mini. You know, they like the little phones. Um, uh, what what do you do on your phone? I mean, what what do you use your iPhone for? I use it for less and less. Um, yeah. Text messaging, obviously. Quick capture for ideas and notes that I've got. Um, I use an app called Otter, which is... Uh, like a, a voice memo app that transcribes your, your speech right as you go. And then it um, like creates tags and then you can share that and it's searchable and editable. It's really cool. So I use that uh, for myself as well as just with my team and with my assistant for sharing notes or capturing ideas real quick and then passing those along. Cause then you can read them. And so it makes it a lot easier to search for them and, and categorize them that way. Um, uh, I use Marco Polo now. <laughs> I'm like one of those guys. So I was at a business owner retreat earlier this year. And one of the guys there is big on Marco Polo. So he got all of us onto it. And then now like I've been connecting with uh, my family's always been on Marco Polo. So um, it's just an easy way for me to connect with different folks and just chat and say how things are going um, as sort of like an asynchronous, but yet not disembodied communication. So there's something nice about seeing someone's face, hearing their voice, as opposed to a text message or an email. So 
that's kind of it for my phone. Um, some of those things. And then of course, like catching up and being available with work stuff. So when we went to Colorado, uh, for Christmas vacation, I just took my phone with me. I left everything else behind. Wow. And I was still able to be available, you know, on Slack or on notion, uh, or on email for, for things that, that came up. I could still access all of that stuff if need be. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Text Expander. Go to textexpander.com slash MPU and get signed up today for the best text expansion service on the Mac. Hey, it's a new year. Maybe you're thinking about doing some automation. Well, the best place to start with that is with your text because we are all spending time writing the same thing with text that we don't need to. And Text Expander fixes that. Text Expander is one of those text expansion apps, but it is the best one because it has so many power features. With Text Expander, you can do things like just automatically insert the clipboard. I have so many snippets in Text Expander that use whatever I pasted into the clipboard as part of my text expansion snippet. It's kind of awesome. Uh, the other thing it does is it can insert dates and times for you. So if you want to insert a date string or just embed the date or the time into a form letter, it can do that for you as well. It also does hard characters like tab keys and returns. So you can make it really navigate your computer for you and do a bunch of things that you wouldn't be able to do with any other type of text expansion tool one of my favorite examples of this is the tab key in an email. Uh, you can write a text expansion snippet with Text Expander that expands in the subject line of the email, but then hits the tab key and continues to write the email for you as well, saving you a couple steps and making your day that much easier. And if you want to go really deep, it has all the automation tools like Apple Script and all that other cool stuff to make your text expansion even smarter. If you're on a team, you can get multiple accounts and link them together. So like if you have a sales message you want to get out, you can manage it on one account and everybody else that's connected gets the same text. So you have a unified message. That's really great for things like customer support or uh, things like that. It's just really awesome. And they keep growing and making the app better. They've got versions for the Mac, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. And best of all, you get 20% off your first year if you go to TextExpander dot com slash mpu that url one more time textexpander.com slash mpu for your 20 percent off get yourself some amazing text expansion tools at your belt right now start automating make text easier it doesn't have to be hard and text expander can help you out check it out all right sean i went back through like 15 years of shared history <laughs> between <laughs> the two of us and, and your site you started a little before me, and I think a little after David in terms of of blogging around 2007. Uh, and like you said earlier, uh, you actually went indie in April 2011. And I know mm -hmm. you were doing like graphic design and some stuff at, at a ministry before you went indie. I know it's been uh, a long time now, but uh, what do you remember of that of that process? You know, we we live in a world now where I think it's it's actually easier to become sort of an independent content person because we have a bunch of tools for direct support and those sorts of things that that infrastructure just wasn't there, you know, 11 or 12 years ago. So uh, how was that, that process, you know, way back then? Gosh, this is huge. This is, I get sentimental thinking about this. I'll, I'll give you guys the full story since we've still got 11 and a half hours to go. I began blogging a huge part because of John Gruber and coming across Daring Fireball as an Apple nerd, I was just enamored with this person who had like a great sense of humor and excellent writing. 
and was publishing like little thoughts and tidbits like every single day. And so I had that. And then I had a few other friends that were blogging over on like blogger and yeah. the Blogspot website. And I thought, you know, I could do this. And I just felt inspired to start writing for an audience and, and, and publishing stuff. So that was actually closer to 2005, 2006. And I just had a blog spot thing where I was just, you know, dumb stuff. Like here's what I'm having for lunch. And, uh, you know, I don't know, like here's a book that I noticed at the bookstore. <laughs> I don't know, like weird stuff. And that slowly evolved into taking it a little bit more seriously. So in, like you said, in 2007, I started, uh, I set up my own domain. I installed WordPress on it. And I had Chambonk.net going just as a hobby for fun. And then I started learning about ways that you can monetize this stuff. So I started doing sponsorships and I, I think I was charging, you know, like 50 bucks for a week for a quote unquote exclusive sponsorship. And then um, Chris Bowler and Michael Mistretta started this thing called Fusion Ads. And see, I think you were part of that. I can't remember. For I was. Sure. Yeah. But it was like a. It was like the deck junior. If anyone remembers the deck, it was like Jim Kudal's, you know, single display ad in the sidebar. So we kind of followed a similar model, but it was, you know, it was a, a lower price point and, and different things like that. And so I was making a little bit of money from that, a little bit of money from my sponsorships. I discovered Amazon affiliates. And so I would do like a Christmas roundup and, you know, make like $300 from Amazon affiliates in the month of December. And I'm like, you know, I'm doing all this stuff kind of on the side you know, over the course of several years and sort of built up a little bit of a readership there. And I felt like it could potentially be something that could turn into something full-time if I were to give it full-time uh, focus. So that was sort of in the back of my mind. And then the huge catalyst event was something very personal with my wife and I, we got pregnant with our very first child in, uh, over Thanksgiving of 2010 and then my wife miscarried just right after Christmas. So that week, right in between Christmas and New Year's that we just went through was, that was when my wife miscarried our first pregnancy. And this, like that six week period, so to speak, like November into December, and then a little bit into January, just after the fact was this just one of the most like transformative, uh, six weeks periods of my entire life of a finding out that I was going to become a dad and thinking about that. And then us losing the pregnancy, like everything slowed down. And I always liken it to Neo in the matrix. Like when that first scene where bullet time and it's like, you're watching just the bullets go by like, but really slow. And you can like see them and like actually stop and like check them out and like see what's going on with these bullets. And I went from this job where I was working 70 to 80 hours a week and just constantly doing that plus writing my blog on the side. And so just tons and tons of, of hustle and stress and all of that to like all of it just slowed down dramatically. And I was able to just have this clear eye picture of what matters to me right now and what doesn't matter to me right now. And what do I want my future to look like? And it was just so clear that I was like the job that I was in at the time was not the future for me. And I knew I needed to eject and I just was like, I wanted so bad to just write full-time for a living. I'm like, I want to take the blog full-time and go indie. So that was, so my wife and I talked it over uh, during, uh, you know, right at the end of December in the beginning of January and just kind of chatted about it. I was like, hey, I want to quit my job. I want to take this blog, do it full-time. I think I can swing it. Um, I think at the time I was, it was generating like around 2000 a month uh, from the sponsorships, the ad stuff and the affiliate stuff. 
And I was like, if I'm doing this at 10 to 20 hours a week, I bet, you know, if I give it 40 to 50 hours a week, I could for sure get it to the 40 to 50 grand that we would need to, to begin to kind of support us and replace the income that I had from my other job. So that was the plan. I announced it, I think in February or March and did a membership drive. And I was a, like a Patreon style back before Patreon existed. And so I had to, I, I copied some stuff from Marco Arment who does overcast and had to figure out the, the payment thing through PayPal and do like recurring subscriptions through PayPal for people to give me money. And then I manually would email them a link to a podcast that I was doing that was just for members only. And Steven, I know you remember this. It's called Sean today. And it was like so hacked together and just, you know, it was a disaster, but, um, in terms of the, the backend technology of it, but it worked. And I announced that I was going to go indie and I was able to get several hundred people that signed up like right off the bat. And it was, you know, $3 a month, which I remember feeling sick about that. <laughs> like just, Oh my gosh, $3 a month is so much money. I felt sick to my stomach about it. But, uh, you know, now I, I look back and it's like, that was, it's you know, so little, it's just amazing how things change and, and shift over the years. Um, and so that was it. Like I went, I went full time back in April 2011, and here we are. Fearless, <laughs> it was fearless. You know, it's funny. I think there maybe there's a study in this, but I feel like a lot of people make those kinds of life choices when the day job or whatever the existing thing is gets super intense. You were talking about working 78 hours a week. I've I've seen you write about that in the past. How hard you were working at the the, the paycheck job. And I think that it, it that is a catalyst for a lot of people when they are pushing you that hard, where you're like, "This is nuts." I mean, I had the same experience when I quit the law firm. They were, they were, uh, they were making me work a lot, and then I got that. I think that's the kind of thing that a lot of times triggers you to say, "Well, wait a second, what what's going on here?" Mm-hmm. A big big portion of it for me too. I, I loved the work actually that I was doing. I really enjoyed it, but I knew going in now that we were going to start having kids, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a dad who works 80 hours a week. Like I, I didn't want to be that kind of a dad and I've got to make a change now before it's too late. Cause it'll never be easier than it is right now. And that was a huge, huge catalyst for me. And pretty quickly you went from a single site to the sort of the beginnings of, of what you have now you mentioned Sean today. You were doing another podcast with our friend Ben Brooks, but um, uh, pretty quickly, Tools and Toys launched. I think that was in August uh, 2011, and uh, that was actually my first paid gig on the internet. You paid you paid me to find cool things to link on Tools and Toys, and uh, it was awesome. It was the first time I ever had made money on the internet. Uh, but how did that idea come about? I mean, you've got your blog, you're writing about apple and design and the stuff you're nerdy about uh, and tools and toys is a pretty like a wholly different thing i mean if you're from if listeners are familiar with something like gear patrol or uncrate kind of similar vibes like cool stuff people like us may like on the internet how did you end up with that idea a huge part of it is just trying to make more money and right like trying to grow the business trying to support myself trying to support my family and so i had it was sort of this combination of, I think this could be a really cool idea. I think it would be enjoyable and I think it would be profitable. And so I already would link to stuff here and there on my site and knowing, you know, Amazon was like a minor 
uh, one of the revenue streams for my blog. But I was like, I bet I could make more money with Amazon links if I had a, a website that was literally completely dedicated to finding cool stuff. And then we wouldn't exclusively link to Amazon, but we would, you know, a lot of stuff you can buy on Amazon and, you know, nowadays basically everything's there, but that was sort of the, the ethos behind it or the, the, the motivation behind it. And also sometimes, I don't know, like I bet a lot of people listening to this can relate. Sometimes you just have an idea and you're just really excited and you just want to ship it and get it out the door, like no matter what. And, uh, fortunately this one turned out to be a good one and it wasn't a bad idea at all, but so yeah, like August, 2011, uh, we, I built it over the weekend, just designed the the theme and put together the back end and kind of had some custom fields for the buy link and a few things like that. And had this kind of dorky initial version of tools and toys, which later I ended up hiring someone to completely redesign the site from scratch, uh, Pat Dryberg, mm-hmm. and he did a fantastic job and it's still, so we still have that same design that he did years ago. And I think it's still looks absolutely stunning. So he did an amazing job. So, but I remember I got to this point now where I had, um, tools and toys and I had my site with the podcast I was doing and it started to become too much. And I was like, I'm stretched too thin. And I was at this crossroads of like, what do I do about this? And I'm like, "I, I feel like I should hire somebody to help with the work that needs to be done. But I just can't imagine that I would I, I, you know, in my mind, I was like, that's just money down the drain. Like there's no <laughs> way someone's going to do as good a job as me. And it's like, I'm paying them to do the work when, if I do it, I get to keep all the money. And it was this huge crossroads for me just as a business owner of kind of taking that first step. And then Stephen, obviously with you, huge crossroads as well of like the first time you were able to get paid for something on the internet on the side that wasn't your jobby job. Yeah. And my parents were business owners. My grandparents were business owners. So I remember calling up my dad and asking him about it, I was like, I, you know, I want to hire someone to help with some of this work. They would write some blog posts and it's work that I'm not even doing right now. I think if they did it, we'd be able to boost the revenue by this much. So I could just give them that money that they're making. And then I would still like be making the same for the business. Plus I could pay them. I was like, well, what do you think? And he goes, yeah, that's literally how it works. Like you should do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I called you up. I was like, Hey, do you want to write some posts for tools and toys? And you're like, yeah. And then it worked. Like, we are. I think with like the first week, like the revenue went back up, like almost instantaneously, just from having a consistent writer again for the site. It was huge. Amazing. <laughs> it feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It does. It, it feels like forever ago. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, if I have my, my calendars right, uh, you launched uh, the Sweet Setup, which has evolved a lot. I want to talk about that, but I know the initial idea was taking a category of apps. So let's say weather apps, because as we're recording this dark sky de- died like three days ago. Um, I don't want to talk about it. I <laughs> know. I'm sorry. Uh, Carrot weather is really great. Uh, so it's it uh, hello weather and a bunch of others, but um, you uh, had this idea. We're going to do like an in-depth review of a category of apps. We're going to pick a winner and then pick some runners up. Not, super unlike some, maybe the wire cutter does with blenders or whatever. And, uh, you and I worked on that together. I was the first editor in chief, but, um, that was a very different time period because app store affiliate revenue was still a thing. Apple canceled that in 2018. And, uh, I assumed it was sort of the same idea with tools and toys. Like we could do really in-depth coverage and write about cool stuff and make the income up on the affiliate side. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And I remember even just seeing sort of the pain in the market too at that time because there was the wire cutter and there was the Verge. And the Verge would do these reviews of a lot of it was like hardware. They're doing hardware reviews. Um, but it was like weird. You know, they would have their the Verge score. I think it's they still have the Verge score. I think it still is weird. And it's like there was it wasn't uh subject it was it was totally subjective. I mean, it wasn't objective at all. And so you'd have this laptop over here that would score like a 9.7 verge score, and then this laptop over here that would score like an 8.5, even though like by all accounts, the 8.5 laptop is better than the 9.7. So there's like there wasn't any rhyme or reason to it. It was just weird. And then with the wire cutter, uh, that was you know, it opened up this huge category for like people that wanted to search for the best X, Y, or Z. And then I remember when iOS seven came out and it was this huge shift in the design language, right? That was iOS seven, right? When they went Mm -hmm. flat with everything and suddenly all the, everyone's favorite Apple apps, everyone's like, oh, these are all gross. Like there was like, just nobody liked it for six months (laughs) and it was this huge transition. And for me, like being an Apple nerd on the internet, I just had a lot of folks reaching out. Hey, what do you think is the best calendar app? I don't like the new native calendar app. What's the best one? What about this? What about this? And I'm like, there is just, there is a, it's like, there's a market for picking the best apps. And so I had been doing these interviews on my blog called, you know, sweet Mac setups and, you know, similar to, you know, like what you guys do with the desktop or your, your home screen apps or whatever. And just like, Hey, what's your setup? What's the software that you use? What's the hardware that you use? What do you like about it? Et cetera. And these were just fun to do. I'm like, what if I just had a whole site that was dedicated to other people's setups as well as then, uh, finding and, and picking the best apps within a certain category. So kind of like mashed these ideas together and we built that site. So yeah, the suite setup, it started in 2013 and, Stephen, I think you were still helping with tools and toys and then you were doing some writing for the suite setup. And then that began to grow. Like it got significantly more traction than I thought it would right off the bat. Um, and so it was, it was doing really well and I just needed help with running the editorial behind the scenes. And, you know, Stephen had experience. He used to be an, an editor for your, your newspaper, right? Mm-hmm. Like were you yeah. editor in chief for your school newspaper in high school and then news editor in college. Yeah. So you knew way more about this than I did. I should have, I should have had you doing it from the beginning. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, I was just like, Hey, here's an idea. Let's see if we can build it. And so you helped grow that site dramatically. And honestly, like, I think it is what it is today more because Stephen of the work that you did to actually get like an engine behind the content far more than I did of just like my dorky idea of like, what if we just review the best apps and pick them? And you helped run that team. And we still have, like, Josh is still working with us. Jeff is still working. Chris, like, all those guys are still writing and and doing editing. And it's uh, it's a pretty amazing team. But uh, I think the huge reason for what it is now is, Stephen, because of all the work that you did. Just going to just gonna say thanks oh. on air. <laughs> Make it official. Very kind. <laughs> um, but it has it has shifted, right? So in, in 2018 the iTunes affiliate program, as it was called then, went away and it really pulled the rug out under from a lot of sites, right? I mean, I remember the big one was Touch Arcade. They basically were like, we're out of business, right? They were mm-hmm. this this big thing. Um, and you you pivoted and shifted the business. So what's the sweet up the sweet setup about now? Yeah, so th- that was a huge shift for us because it was all um oh, well, it wasn't all, it was 50% or so affiliates 
and about 50% um, the uh, sponsorships and advertising. And so we had that same model, like you could sponsor a blog post and get a sidebar ad. And I want to say at the time the website was doing like maybe five or $6,000 a month in affiliate revenue plus the sponsorship stuff. So maybe like three or 4,000 in uh, affiliate. It was pretty decent. And all that was from Apple. And so then they make their announcement like, Hey, we're cutting the affiliate revenue. And then, Oh, actually we're just removing it all together. And so it was basically like a huge, just removing of that revenue stream, like right out of the gate. And we kind of saw the writing on the wall that a few months in advance. And so I had this idea of like doing a paid product for our apps that we recommend. And so we did one with day one, we called it day one in depth and we made an ebook that people could buy and that worked pretty well. I think we made a few thousand dollars from that. And then we were like, well, let's go into this realm of like courses and so I worked with Mike Schmitz and he used Ulysses. And so we made a little mini course that was called Learn Ulysses. And we sold that. And I think the first week that we had it available, we sold like $30,000 worth of that course, which was practically an entire year's worth of affiliate revenue from Apple. I'm like, oh, this is way better. And like it, 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 like it shifted the whole business model entirely for us. And that was kind of like a, a huge watershed moment. And so making that shift from being affiliate driven to now like direct to our customers. So we have now removed all the advertising. We don't really do any affiliate stuff. Like if we mention something on Amazon, we'll link to it, but that's not part of the business model hardly at all anymore. And now it's all direct to the readers of going like, here's the best apps that we like and recommend, and here's how to use them and get the most out of them. And here's the examples that we use. Here's workflows for them. Here's like, you know, uh, custom tips and, and behind the scenes stuff, uh, to make the most of these apps. Cause I think at least for me, and I'd, I'd be curious to hear your guys' point on this. I know for me, like over time as kind of my work has evolved and just even my life has changed in different ways for me, I get far more joy from producing something great with the apps that I have, as opposed to finding like whatever other new app is going to replace the, the current app that I'm already using anyways. And so I've kind of shifted away from like the new shiny and what's new and what's cool to how can I really make the most out of the tools that I have? And, and obviously like you want to have the right tools, but then like being content with those and then doing the best work that I can day in and day out with those tools. So that's kind of the mindset behind the courses that we do is here's how to make the most with the best. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, I think that there's certainly a new and shiny element to the internet that gets people going, but um, that's also a form, you know, of uh, distraction if you're not careful. And it, it's really up to the users to figure that out. But like I said at the top of, the, of today's thing, I think we are uh, undergoing an assault as users of technology right now. And the people who are figuring out ways to use tech to be successful are going to be the ones who who like are able to, to actually do that because Silicon Valley is not interested in you being more productive. I just think we can agree to that at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it too, I mean, even coming back to like the concept of the Mac power user, like it's like that idea of like deep understanding and knowledge of the tools that you use and like bending them to your will, right. To get yep. the best work and doing it um, efficiently when need be, or, yeah, you know, I, I love tinkering as well and like filling with stuff, but then so that 
now I can do this even better or, you know, this helped break me out of a funk and now I'm kind of back, um, you know, back in the zone, so to speak. So, yep, there's definitely a line there. It's a new year and maybe you have a resolution to clean out that closet or to straighten out the garage. Well, look, the same thing, uh, it works for digital clutter too. And what's more cluttered than our inboxes? Well, SaneBox is here to save us because SaneBox learns what email is important to you and it filters out what isn't, saving you hours each week. And it works with all kinds of email programs and services. I have it using my Gmail accounts, but you can use basically anything. You don't have to use a special app. I'm using MimeStream on the Mac right now, and it was all just there, just the way it was in mail. I really like that I'm not tied down to a service or an application. SaneBox has some great email filtering. There's a bunch of examples. A couple of my favorites are Sane Later. You can keep your inbox clean with only what really matters. You can deal with everything else on your own schedule. Then there's the same black hole. Drag a message there and you never hear from the sender again. Of course, you can snooze emails, set up reminders, lots of great features. And it's more than just filtering. If you are low on space with your email provider, you can move attachments to Dropbox or other cloud services. Sandbox has various pricing plans. They start as low as about $4 a month. There's a 14-day free trial waiting for you at sanebox.com MPU. And when you sign up, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan. Two-thirds of MPU listeners who have tried SameBox end up subscribing. I love it. I bet you're going to love it too. SameBox.com slash MPU. And again, you'll receive a $25 credit on any plan at that special URL. Our thanks to SaneBox for sponsoring Mac Power users. Okay, so Sean, uh, in your continuing evolution, you have now... Uh, one of your main courses, lines of business is this focus course that you developed. How did that get started? So, okay. Um, this ties back into, like I mentioned earlier, we were doing that podcast. It was called Sean today. And that was my members only podcast that folks would, you know, give me three bucks a month through PayPal and they got access to the RSS feed for that podcast. So it was, it was a five minute show you know, four, five, six, seven days a week. Like I just had an episode pretty much every single day and I did it for several years. And in 2014 or so I did a series on productivity and I started talking about just different components of living a focused life and talked about goal setting, talked about how to develop strategy for your life, how to manage your time. And I got just all this feedback from folks. I'm like, okay, there's something here that's kind of hit on a hit on a vein and so I took all of those podcast episodes, I listened to myself, I transcribed myself because this was back before there was easy transcription software and just transcribed my own work, turned that into a rough draft of a book. And as I'm working on this book, then I started doing all this research. And so I'm buying a ton of productivity books and time management books and goal setting stuff. I'm reading all these other books and I'm highlighting them and I'm like, oh, this is great. This is great. Taking notes. But I realized that I'm reading all this stuff. And I think it's cool, but none of it is impacting my own day-to-day life. And I'm, I feel like I'm the prime student. I'm interested in this. I'm studying it. I want to teach it better. And yet it's not making a drastic impact on my day-to-day life. And I realized that I would probably have the same experience for the book that I was writing. People would read it. You know, you get to the end of the chapter and it goes, okay, here's your action items for this chapter. Do this and do this. 
And I would just always turn the page and just keep reading and go on to the next chapter. And it just reminded me, I'm like, I don't want to have a bunch of information that doesn't actually transform my own life. And I don't want to create a bunch of information that's not going to transform other people's lives as well. So I decided instead of it being a book, I would do it as an online course and I would have it be like action first. So it'd be like, here, do this. And if you want to know why, then you can you know, read all this extra information behind. So it was sort of like taking the concept of the, the books where it's like, here's why this matters. Okay, now now do this. like, And just turning that inside out and, and doing it reverse. And so that was sort of the start of it. That came out in 2015. And it's uh, it's definitely grown and involved in some ways. And in a lot of ways, it's still exactly the same. And basically, it's just time management, task management, and idea management for you know creative folks. And so we help folks with figuring out really what matters to you. And especially in the productivity space, uh, there's all this emphasis on like how to do this faster, or here's a cool tip, or here's a cool trick, or here's a keyboard maestro macro. And I love those. I have keyboard maestro macros like out the wazoo, but I, I like to come back to this initial like baseline of like what actually matters to you. What are the core values that you carry? What is like the overarching theme or the vision that you have perhaps for your whole life, or if not that, at least for the next 12 months or even for the next month or so, and just getting clear on that. And I, I just believe you've got to start with clarity and then productivity flowing out of that. You can use your clarity uh, as like a decision making framework. And that's where you kind of get clear on what to say yes to, what you want to say no to, like what things actually go onto your uh, calendar. What things do you not put on your calendar because do they align with your vision, your values? So we start with that and then we walk people through uh, task and time management stuff um, based on the things that actually matter to you. And it was just originally the on-demand course. And then, um, David, you've been helping us. We now do, we were doing in-person stuff back in 2019 and we had a few that were going and we're getting ready to ramp that up. And then of course COVID hit. So we had to switch everything virtual and we sort of fell into this model of doing, uh, what's called cohort based courses, um, which a few years ago, they were kind of newer and they're becoming a lot more common now, but it's basically, you just go through a, a series of training together with a group and it's, it's coach led and there's community element to it. And it's, I think it's absolutely incredible. And we saw, um, even just from our own side, anyone else here that's thought about doing this or, or doing it for your stuff, it's like we saw, you know, two to 3% completion rate for a course when you just buy it and you have access to it and you just go through it on your own time. And then we're seeing 80 to 85% completion rate for folks that go through the cohort based version, because there's an accountability element and the community element. And it's just, it's a fantastic experience. So we started doing that a couple of years ago and we bring in guest speakers. So David, I know you're speaking at our, our coming one here in January and you've done several of them actually talking about startup and shutdown routines. Um, and it's a lot of fun. So it's just an incredible experience. And that's sort of how that focus course has shifted over the years. Um, same material, learning new ways to present it, to, to have the best impact has, has really been the the focus for us with that. So. Yeah. The way I like to describe it is like learning to sail. I mean, you can get really good at furling sails and you can get good at, you know, uh, tying knots and bundling ropes, but you got to know which way North is. If you don't, your sailboat is adrift and that's the starting point. And, uh, I feel like you've really hit on something with this focus course. I, there's just a, there's just a movement around it. You know, we got that Chris Bailey book, um, about the hyper-focus. We've got 
you know, pretty much everything Cal Newport writes and uh, just a, a group of people that are kind of rebelling against the traditional productivity measurements. And I think it's, it's, it's time for this stuff. Mm-hmm. I couldn't recommend this focus course enough. I went through it when Sean started it and Same. I feel like it's very good. And, um, uh, if you're hitting a new year and you're looking for a way to kind of get a little more control and, and spend your time on what's important, this is, this is a good investment of your money. Sean, could you tell us a little bit about how the the focus course works throughout the year? I mean, you mentioned you guys do some special events. I know you have some more uh, specialized uh, content, like the focus, like a boss uh, we mentioned earlier in the show. But what what's kind of the shape of the focus course uh, project now? So here's kind of where I'll just share like behind the scenes, kind of how we figured it out because we're just figuring it out as we go. And I know a lot of folks are probably, you know, in a similar, you know, not with the same content, but there's, I feel like there is this growing, um, just trend online of the creative entrepreneur building an audience around a topic that they know, and then building community around that and kind of going deeper with those folks. So what we started, we started with the cohort version, it's called focus Academy. And we started with it two years ago. So January, 2011 or 2021, I mean, uh, January, 2021 was the first one that we did. And we had a, a, like a pilot group go through with that and then they loved it. And then we had, because there was the community element to it when the program was over, they're like, well, we want to stay in touch with each other and we want to keep doing like these community calls and you know, we've, okay, we got our goals figured out, but now we need help with actually the, the steps we need to take continuing to go forward with managing our time day in and day out with the goals. And so they're like, can we keep coming to these calls? And so my team and I were like, well, sure. So we just kept doing the calls and then we had another pilot group go through. They loved it. They wanted to keep coming to the calls and we're like, okay, well, we can't do these for free. So we're going to start charging you guys. So we started a membership and what happened was then people that would go through the program then would stay and they would become just ongoing members. And then that, that has grown over the year or so. And we just launched that like a couple months ago or a year ago. And, um, sorry, it's all, it's all blurs day to me. <laughs> so the membership thing has kind of turned into people going, Hey, we want ongoing training for this stuff around task, time management, idea management, you know, and Steven and David, like you guys know, like these are never ending, uh, areas of discovery and growth and nerdery and all of that, this stuff. So we're like, sure, we'll, we'll, we'll connect with you guys more. So we do regular coaching calls now for our membership community. And then what we did with the suite setup as well as we've got all these courses around the different apps for time management and idea management, et cetera. And we're like, well, let's like go through these as a group. Like let's take all these courses that we've developed and go through them as a group. So we kind of just merged everything together into like one single membership thing. And that's Stephen, answer your question, kind of how we work with people throughout the year after they go through the primary training of the focus course itself, then it's like, okay, which area of your life are you going to be focusing on right now? Cause for a lot of people they'll come in thinking it's business and then they go through the program and they realize they want to focus on relationships at home and they get, you know, we'll, we'll hear testimonies of like, Oh, I thought, you know, I needed to f- work on my physical health. But then once I pulled back and analyzed everything, I realized I care a lot more about this book that I want to write. And so we'll see these big shifts 
And so once they kind of figure out what it is that they're focusing on, then it's the accountability and just the ongoing training to actually continue to follow through with those plans. Cause you guys know this, it's like when someone makes a new year's resolution, you know, they last a couple of weeks, you know, maybe, maybe eight weeks. And it's just very rare for big resolutions at the beginning of the year to maintain long-term traction. And one of the biggest ways to maintain your long-term traction is not only having like a system or a routine or a habit, but then also having the accountability that keeps you showing up. And so just trying to help people create a space for that if they're interested in it. And that's sort of what we do uh, throughout the year. Um, just with different themes, we call them boosters, focus boosters. So we've got like habit boosting and time management boosting and, uh, you know, PKM boosting and stuff like that. So that's kind of how we do, how we do it. Hey, if somebody's listening right now and they want to think about becoming more focused as they head into the new year, can you give us one tip for them? You know, something to get started on today. Yes. This is my favorite question. I didn't even pay you for this question. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, my number one productivity tip is, is this, is that tonight when, you know, dear listener, uh, when you're getting ready to go to bed is to set out your clothes for tomorrow and pick out the outfit that you want to wear tomorrow. And this is super dorky, but what I love about this little habit or this little exercise is a lot of things. Number one, you're like helping your future self, which, you know, we're all kind of aware of that. That's become a a pretty common uh, theme of helping your future self doing something today that will help you tomorrow. So you're setting out your outfit for tomorrow, which will give you back time in the morning, which to me is like the most precious, like minutes in the morning are worth hours in the afternoon and in the evening. Like there's just like, they're worth so much more. And so it gives you back some time. But the other big thing is that tomorrow, then when you wake up and you put on that outfit, you will have kept a commitment that you made to yourself. You said, I'm going to wear this. And then you got up in the morning and you did, you put it on and then you wore it. So you made a promise, a plan, and then you actually followed through with that. And that, so we call that personal integrity where you are following through with the commitments that you make to yourself. And personal integrity is one of the biggest challenges that I see constantly. I'm sure you guys can relate to this with people following through with the things that they want to do is like, we say we want to go to the gym or we we say we want to eat like this. We say we want to write more, or we say we want to spend less time on social media. We make this, this goal or this plan or this promise, but then when it's time to get up and go to the gym or when it's time to sit down and do the writing or whatever, like we have a reason not to, and we're, we're really bad at following through with those commitments to ourselves. And so setting out your clothes and then wearing, putting them on the next day is like this small step that say, says to yourself, I'm the kind of person that does the things that I say I'm going to do. And when you begin to build that muscle of your personal integrity, then that begins to bleed over into all the things that you say you're going to do. So now when you say, I'm going to get up at six o'clock tomorrow morning and I'm going to do a 30 minute workout, like you believe yourself Mm -hmm. because you have this history of following through with your own commitments. And that is massive. So that's my number one tip for folks who want to get more productive is set out your clothes and then tomorrow put them on and do that over and over. And then eventually this muscle will grow. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com slash MPU and make your next move. Enter the offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. 
One of the easiest recommendations I can make to you and my friends is Squarespace. It's really clear at this point that we should all have our own voice on the internet. We should not be using somebody else's platform to get our content out in the world. You want to control that, and Squarespace is the easiest way to do that. Squarespace is the company that lets you set up a website easily. Over the years, they have evolved so far. There's so much you can do with Squarespace. You can sell products and services on an online store. You can uh, send out email campaigns. And they have really great templates where you can set up a beautiful-looking website without a whole lot of work. And uh, behind all of that, they have all the stuff you would need, like SEO tools and analytics, to make sure your website's really working for you. I have multiple Squarespace accounts that I use for a bunch of different websites. I use it for myself. I also recommend it to my family and friends because it's just so easy. There are so many people in our family orbit using Squarespace websites because of my recommendation. And every time I look like a hero, you know, it's very easy to get it set up. With just like an hour of training, I can make sure that they understand what they're doing and they can run their own website from there on in. I don't need to keep being their maintenance or their web guy for them. And the websites just look beautiful. I mean, we set up a Squarespace website for my law firm, and I got people asking me who our web guy was. You know, they wanted to know who they could pay to make it look like that. And the fact was, we were just using a Squarespace site. Squarespace is affordable, and it can grow with you. Go check it out today. Recommend it to your friends, and you can look like a hero, too. And when you do, make sure to use our offer code MPU. So go to squarespace.com slash MPU. That gets you a free trial with no credit card required. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code to get that 10% off your purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com slash MPU. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get that 10% off of your first purchase and to show your support for the Mac Power users. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of the Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Sean, you've mentioned uh, the fact that you have now grown uh, into a team of people. Uh, and I got to see your space a couple of summers ago. I came out to, to Kansas City for a weekend. And um, you've got people working on uh, sort of in your area at Kansas City. You've got some people who are uh, remote what are some of the the apps and tools that you're using to communicate with everybody? So we use we're like a we we treat ourselves like a fully remote company, even though we've got like a local office here. Just because you kind of it's hard to do like fifty fifty. So we use Notion and Slack as our primary two tools for managing all communication, managing projects, and everything like that. Um, we were on Basecamp for a long time, and then just with the amount of content that we create and the publishing that we do because we have multiple different websites plus social media plus um, email newsletters. It's just a lot. And then with Basecamp, they didn't have a, like they didn't have calendars that spanned over like just everything. It was, it was difficult. So we switched over to notion um, a little over two years ago, actually it was uh, in August, 2020 that we switched to notion and that was a really, really rocky transition for us. Just moving over notions, just this blank slate of nothing and you can build whatever you want, which is both awesome and horrible. So we hired someone to help us kind of set it up a little bit. Um, and then even then we still weren't quite sure what we wanted. So we just had them set it up like we used to use Basecamp. Um, and like over the years we've, we've grown and now, uh, Marie Poulin has a fantastic training on notion. It's called notion mastery. 
And so I've sent a few of my team members through that. And now we've got like an in-house resident Notion expert. Her name's Chloe and she's, so she runs everything on Notion for us now. So we use all that for content calendar, for um, project management, et cetera. And then Slack just for the um, real-time communication, as well as all of our members in our community, they use Slack. We have like a private Slack channel for those folks as well. So we use that. Yeah, you know, Notion is a hard one. I feel like a lot of people really don't like it, you know, and I think it's because that blank slate element of it. Also, there's a lot of people, I mean, listening to this show who love Mac and, you know, software that's that's made with an opinion and Notion uh, is not that. In a lot of ways, Notion is just, you know, it's very utilitarian. And uh, like you were saying earlier, it used to be terrible on mobile, although it's gotten better. Um, I think that is a hard sell for a lot of people, but I think if you can get over the hump, it can be quite powerful. It is. And it, I mean, it, it was a long transition for us. I I feel like it took us probably six months to maybe even a year of like really feeling comfortable with notion. Uh, like with Basecamp, Basecamp is very simple and very easy to understand and nothing ever got lost in Basecamp, but the friction with our editorial calendar, cause that for us, editorial is like 80% of what we do. And we needed something that could manage that. And we didn't want to run two project management systems at once. And it was, it was just a lot. So the, the content calendar within notion is just glorious. Like even this morning I had the editorial team meeting with the, the team that helps with the suite setup. And we've got a Kanban board with all of our ideas for articles and new stuff. And then I can like move those from, okay, this is coming from the idea backlog. Let's put this on deck and let's assign this to somebody and then I can assign the date and then you can look at the calendar and you can see exactly where everything lines up. And I can see just blog posts that are going out on the suite setup. I can see to like everything to, I can literally see every email that's going to go out, every social media post, every blog post on all the sites, uh, or like just stuff for internal, like there's, you know, so all these different views. So it definitely took some time to get it set up, but the way that we have it now, um, really does it serves us excellently and the the friction points with notion compared to some of the other stuff um, to us are worth the trade-off and i think that's a huge one is just recognizing any of these tools out there there's things that they do well and things that they don't do well and so figuring out what's a deal breaker for you and what are you willing to live with and so for us some of the utilitarian stuff and some of the the wonkiness of notion like it's easy for stuff to get lost sometimes. And so we've really had to double down on like our operating procedures for how we use notion and like really focus on that, um, to help things always be where they should be. But by doing that, um, the trade-offs for us are, are definitely worth it. Yeah. I went through that last year because we had outgrown base camp as well. My team is smaller than yours and we don't put out as much as you do, but I, I really looked hard at Notion, but I was having some real resistance from a couple team members about it. And ultimately, I kind of went the middle path and we ended up using the collaborative features of Craft. But, mm-hmm. you know, that is not as powerful as Notion. I mean, Craft is great and I like it, but it's not Notion, you know. And yeah, not um, even close. I, I, I totally get uh, how you cringe a little bit at that transition period, but it sounds like you guys made it to the other side. We did. And it's been, it's, I mean, we still have like, uh, you know, and I think nothing's perfect. And so it's fun to blame it on the tool. 
and yeah. uh, whatnot. But some of it just comes down to the fact that we're just a bunch of folks working on a bunch of moving parts and things will just naturally get dropped um, one way or the other, no matter what tool you're using. And so if we can help us do most of the work pretty good, most of the time then I feel pretty happy with it. And so how do you draw the lines between Slack and Notion? Cause it sounds like those are two of your primary tools. It is. So we try to use Slack for, um, you know, real-time communication. Something's going on today. And so we have like a, some guidelines for how to communicate. So Slack, if you're communicating in Slack, the anticipation is that you'll uh, get a response within the, the next four hours. So basically the first half of the day or the second half of the day. Um, and then, so it's, you know, within the, that working day, you're going to get back to somebody or they'll get back to you. With Notion, we have it like within the next working day. And so all what's cool about Notion is every page, every document, every article, whatever it is, you can comment. And so there's you're able to ping people and make comments within stuff. And so with that, it's like I'll get back to you within the next working day or so. Um, and then if it's like a, a real-time emergency, then it's iMessage or phone call. But those don't happen very often. So for us, Slack is sort of where we're, as we're working on stuff, or, Hey, this is cool. Check this out. Just stuff. That's sort of, it's passing by it's, it's content. That's interesting now. Like, Oh, here's a cool link or check this out. Or Hey, when, you know, trying to land a meeting time, stuff like that will all happen in Slack. And then notion is where we're commenting and collaborating on works that are in progress or, you know, okay, I'm assigning this back to you now. Here you go. And, um, things like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, it's so much of this is a process and I feel like anybody listening who's trying to figure out how to navigate communications with a small team, uh, in the modern world, uh, this has been a moving target for several years, but it seems like uh, notion is really kind of arriving as a solution for a lot of people, but it, it's not base camp. I mean, base camp, you can put anybody on it and within a few hours, they're fine. And, like you're right. If somebody uh, has the wrong permissions in Notion and pushes the wrong buttons, you can really mess up the team. Yeah, and we haven't had any like catastrophic errors or anything like that. But Notion definitely has a far steeper curve than Basecamp, and I think you know that's by design. Like you know, Jason and David, like those guys want you. Know, I've heard them you know refer to like Fisher Price design is they yeah. want it simple. They want it just like bubbly and basic and just yeah, like you pick up a Fisher price like block. It's like, it's huge. It's it's, you can hold one or two and like, they're just very easy to manipulate and easy to use. And there's not much to it. And that is a huge uh, competitive advantage in a lot of ways. But for us, like I said, like we just couldn't, couldn't keep using Basecamp without their editorial account, without an editorial calendar. And so we needed something else. And I would say if you're listening and you've got a team and you're struggling with this, I would start looking seriously at Basecamp as your first stop because I think for most of the people out there that don't listen to Mac Power users, Basecamp is as far as you're going to get them. I mean, that mm -hmm. that was my big challenge last year. I've, there's a person on my team who's not tech savvy, but she's just a great copy editor and just somebody who I really value. Um, but she's not a power user. And like getting her off Basecamp was tough because she liked it and, it, and she understood it, right? And like, if I had taken her from Basecamp to Notion, you know, I'm, I may have lost her, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. so it, it's tough. And, uh, so if you're listening, I'm not saying that you start with Notion, but, but I do think, um, 
you know, it is nice also that you have these opinionated tools out there. And clearly the base camp team and the notion team aren't aiming for the same thing. And um, that gives us all more options. You know, there's another tool you use. Um, I've seen you guys write posts about it and I've played with it off and on, but I'm really trying to use it more is loom. Tell us about that. I love loom. Uh, L O O M. It is uh, basically a quick capture video app. So um, it's got a little menu bar and you click it and then you can do like you can do your screen with your video as well. So I can do a screen recording with my video, like as a circle down in the bottom corner, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of folks have seen that like on YouTube or different things. So I can do that. Um, or you can do just your screen or just your video. And so I use this, uh, like, I mean, QuickTime kind of does something very, very similar with the built-in with QuickTime, though it doesn't have, you can't record your screen and your video at the same time. And I feel like there's something nice about seeing the person's face at the same time as well. So I'll do this. Personally, I use this a lot for either delegating stuff to my team or, um, you know, like as a business grows, you have to start documenting the things that you do so that you're not making the same decisions over and over and over again. Hmm. It's like once you figured out a process for something like, you know, coming up, uh, the SSL certificate for the website renews uh, at the end of January. And that just has to be done every single year and go in there, switch it out. And it's like, this is documented. And like, just as your business grows, you have to document stuff. So Loom is an excellent way for documenting a process. Like if I'm the only one who's ever done it and I know how to do it and I want to have my team start to do it, I will just open up Loom, record my screen and talk through as I'm doing it and then record and capture that whole process. And then within Notion, we have a a database for all our operating procedures for how we do stuff. And so I'll set up a new operating procedure for, you know, how to whatever, how to do the SSL certificate. And now that goes there. And then the next time it needs to be done, someone else on my team can now go and they can watch the video and they can like make notes if they need to about it and they can see how it's done and they can do it. And so it's a great way to to capture processes. It's a great way to delegate stuff. And then I've been doing it as well with um, some of our applications. So with Focus Like a Boss, it's more of a a premium uh, training that we're doing. So when folks apply to do that, Like we'll ask them, why are you joining? What are you interested in? Tell us a little bit about your business. And then I'll respond back to them with a Loom video. Uh, It's a little bit more personal and it's kind of special and it it gives a chance to kind of connect a little bit more in that context. And so I'll use Loom for that as well with customer interaction and things like that. Um, Or sometimes people email me and there's like 25 questions in the email. And I'm like, you know what? This is easier to just record a video and reply back to you and then give you a link to the Loom video as opposed to writing out my answer. So I'll do that as well sometimes. So I use Loom for all sorts of stuff. Um, it's it's really fun. It's a great little app. Yeah, I've, I've been doing both of those things. Uh, historically, I would make screencasts and we've got this folder full of screencasts for the team of like how you do this or that. But um, I'm increasingly interested in this because it's such, and and I think the point of Loom really is the low friction it is very quick to turn it on, record a video, and get it out um, faster than something like QuickTime. Exactly. And with QuickTime, once you've done recording it, it's local. Now you have a local file that you have to figure out how to share. Whereas right. with Loom, it uploads instantly to their website, and then it copies the URL for that video onto your clipboard right away. And so then you can send it, post it in Slack. You can send mm-hmm. it in an email, whatever you want to do with it. 
Yeah. And there, there's lots of apps and services that do that for still images. Like I know Dave and I are both on a, a clean shot X <laughs> kick recently. Um, but loom is, is really cool. And I think if, I think the way you're using it is so interesting as a, as an internal documentation tool. Cause if you look at their websites, a lot like customer support and, and that sort of thing, but I think it shows how versatile it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Well, especially also with a lot of teams now being time, um, you know, you, you, you've got people all over the world that you're working with. So just cause I want to talk about this now to Rosemary, well, that's great, but she's in London and it's 3 a.m. for her. So, you know, rather than me send a, you know, an inhuman email or text or whatever, I'll just get a loom where she can actually hear me to explain what I'm thinking about. Then she can watch it, you know, time delayed whenever she gets up. And I don't know, I, I think it's a, it's a great service. And I've been trying to play with it more. And I think I'm going to start incorporating that more into some of the stuff I do too. And you can watch the looms at, you know, 2x speed. Yeah. So it's even better, you know, for the other person on their side, because I just ramble and ramble and ramble. And so then my team can watch it twice as fast and get past the rambling parts. <laughs> yeah. What What's the biggest challenge for you running a team in 2023? This is the biggest challenge for me is making a decision about like the, the absolute direction that we want to go. Um, Mike Michalowicz calls it like your queen bee role. Like what is the number one thing that if everything else is not going well, we're at least going to focus on that. And for me, it's hard. Like I'm, I want to like, I want to do everything. I want us to do A, B, C, D and E and F and G. And so having to pull back and set like the singular direction that we're going and our single goal that matters more than any other goal um, for me personally is very hard to do. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's hard to do even just for my own life. And then for me to set it for the team and to say, this is where we're all putting all of our attention and our focus is on this primary goal. And then here's, you know, the two goals that are underneath that. But even those, if we can't hit those, we at least got to try to hit this primary one, like setting that clear direction and then holding to it and not changing my course and then not pulling my team away from the things that I've asked them to do. Like I am really good at giving them whiplash. And so I've been working very hard over the last couple of years to set more clear direction. And that for me is definitely one of the hardest things. Is it the feedback problem or, you know, you just don't get immediate feedback. So you question yourself or or what's the hang up? I just have like business FOMO. I'm like, I want to do everything. You know, it's like, we should, yeah, I see, um, like all the opportunities that we have for new areas of content. I see opportunities for new business models, new, uh, new ideas for products, like just all this stuff. I want to do all of it. And I'm like, I want to do all of it. And I want to start on all of it right now. And that's just really hard to do. And the bigger we get, the more important it is to have a more narrow focus. Like I feel like when you're small and nimble, you can have multiple things going on at once. And um, because you have less failure points and you have like, when it was just me and Isaac, it was my only uh, full-time employee for a long time. When it was him and I working on a bunch of stuff, it was just like he and I, so you have one line of communication, like just him to me and then me to him, like back and forth. That was it. But then as you begin to add more people, those lines of communication begin to get more and more and more. And so it becomes more important to have clearer and clearer and more narrow focus of this is the goal and this is what matters 
And this is the thing that we're going to do about it. Um, and so for me, like setting that and being clear about it and then not changing my mind, uh, when I have another exciting new idea is, uh, definitely a discipline. This episode of Mac Power Users is made possible by Electric. If you're a small business owner, you know that you really need to focus on what's important, what you're good at, what makes you stand out in your market. It's not all glamorous all the time. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop that got lost in a mail. Or maybe someone else has a technical emergency you have to deal with. But you need to focus on what you're good at, like I said. And the team over at Electric is a great partner because they know small businesses like yours face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. So instead of spending hours sorting through application licenses, setting up new laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions, you can focus on building your business. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. If you own a small business and you are focusing on this new year, time for growth, maybe you're looking to expand your team, offer a new product, whatever it may be. If you have IT tasks on your to-do list, you should look at Electric to get those into the hands of experts. And for Mac Power User listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash MPU. That's electric.ai slash MPU. Go there now to get your free pair of Beat Solo 3 headphones for scheduling a meeting. Thanks to Electric for the support of the show and Relay FM. Sean, we always like to end up the interviews talking about a few apps and services that bring you delight that we can share with the world. Is anything uh, you're using these days making you particularly happy? Well, see, I already mentioned Otter. I feel like that's like my go-to. Um, go-to. And that's uh, Otter. With, uh, let's just talk about that a little bit longer, though, because I think a lot of people aren't familiar. It's otter.ai, the 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 transcription mm-hmm. service. Yeah, Yeah, like O-T-T-E-R. And yeah. so I have on my iPhone, I have a shortcut in my like iPhone dock that literally just opens up a brand new voice memo in Otter. And um, just like I just have lots of ideas all the time. I'm sure you guys can relate. I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners have this too, where it's like, oh, here's an idea about something or here's something I was thinking on or whatever. Just the the commute ride ideas or the lawn mowing ideas or the shower ideas that just come to you. And almost all of that stuff, I throw it into Otter because for me, it's faster to capture it through voice. I feel like I can, as I process it verbally, I'll even get more clear on stuff. So I like having that. And then just the way that it transcribes what I have to say in real time, and then it adds the transcription notes to the audio recording. And then I can share that directly with anyone on my team or just come back to it myself if it's for me. And I'll use that for all sorts of stuff as well. Like when I'm uh, getting ready to go on vacation. So a couple of weeks ago, as we're closing down the office for the holidays, I'll record a voice memo for myself about all the open loops that I still have. Because for me, it, a lot of times it's hard. It's it's hard to unwind from work and then transition into like holiday mode or relaxing mode. And so I'll do this for a vacation. I do this. Um, we do a sabbatical every eight weeks. We take a week off. And so when I'm Friday night, like the, the end of the, the work cycle before I'm getting ready to take our sabbatical break, I'll just record this voice memo for myself of like, here's the open loops that I have. 
here's what I was working on. Here's what I should be focusing on next. You know, here's the most important thing to, to get back into when I come back to the office. And then when I come back, I'll listen to that voice memo from myself and it kind of helps me pick right back up where I left off. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of using voice notes for stuff like that. Okay. So I have been an Otter subscriber for some time. I, the way I use it is they give me rough transcripts of like videos. Like if somebody wants a transcript of a video I've made or anything like that, I find Otter does a, a, a fairly mm-hmm. good job of it and they aren't that expensive. I used to pay a lot more, let's just say, but I've never used it in terms of the app for transcription. I always found Siri uh, voice dictation is good enough for me. Have you compared them? I mean, do you have an opinion or is it just because you've always used Otter? I think, I think Siri voice dictation is pretty good, but at least for me, and maybe it's, it's gotten better over the years. Um, I didn't like, I'll, I'll ramble. So sometimes I'll have like seven or eight or nine minute long note audio, uh, voice memos that I make for myself. Yeah. And that's part of just my own process of just like the verbal processing it out and just speaking. So rambling is, is kind of part of the, the, the job at this point with the voice memos for myself. And with Siri, if I was trying to dictate into the notes app, um, I can't like, I'm watching it and I'm speaking and making sure it's catching the words that I'm saying. And because I'm dictating it in real time, it's not capturing the audio for me. And then it's just, I, I feel like it's a, there's too much friction for that process. Cause I'm, I'm staring at it, making sure it's working. And then sometimes it, th- it thinks I'm done. So it like stops you know, listening for the, the voice stuff. So for me, Otter, it's like, I can just press a button. It goes right to the Otter inbox. I can start talking. It grabs it all. And then the dictation for me with the transcription helps with searching and like reminding myself what was in there, but I don't always like use the transcribed text onto like the next thing. It's not like I want it to be transcribed so that I can now take the text and transfer that into like an article that I'm going to write or whatever. Sometimes it's just the text is there enough to remind me what this note was about. And then I can go back and listen to it or I can just see, Oh yeah, I was talking about this. I want to do this one thing. And I can pull out like the one nugget that took me five minutes of rambling to get to, um, yeah, which I feel like I'm even doing right now. Just ramble a little bit about it and figure all this out. (laughs) (laughs) What else is on, on your list here? Uh, some apps that I love. I'm still a big user of things three. Um, Steven, I know that I think that's your favorite to do mm. app of all time. Cause I know for you, like being able to check off a repeating task early, it's like, who cares about that? You know, it's like, there's no need you to hurt me, man. I wrote a blog so. post about that in 2018 <laughs> and they said that it was just around the corner and yeah, uh, it's not, <laughs> it's not. So something that I'm using things for a lot these days is with my newsletter, I send out an email on Fridays and, um, it's just got like a, it's like a curation of interesting things. And so I toss all of my ideas for the newsletter into things. And then I'll go in there when it's time to write the newsletter and I'll pull and like, just cause quick capture into things, especially like from Twitter or uh, different spots, just being able to toss stuff in there is, is pretty easy. So I'll use that actually as a, as like my bucket for capturing ideas and things to link to and, and to curate for that. Um, and it's just a nice, delightful app, but I don't use it as much as I used to just because we're in Notion so much now as a team. And so a lot of my tasks uh, live in Notion. Uh, Ulysses, I've been using it for years for all of my writing and, and helping manage the ideas that I put there. Um, 
it's kind of changed a little bit over the years and it's gotten a little bit slower and a little bit more difficult for me to use, but I still don't know of anything that's quite like it in terms of just the simplicity and just, it's a, it's a beautiful app to write in. And so I still, I still like it, even though I feel like it's slowly getting a little bit bloated for my use. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like they're either going to pull it back and like, like refine it, or I'm going to have to jump ship in the next 18 months or so. We'll see. Yeah. The last couple of months I've been using IA writer just for giggles for like rough writing. Mm-hmm. Boy, that is a pretty app. <laughs> you know, it doesn't oh, have yeah. any of the features of Ulysses or, or drafts or the other apps that I've historically written in, but man, it sure is pretty. I have a ton of folders and groups and structure inside Ulysses that, um, I really lean on quite a bit that I enjoy. So it would be like IA writer wouldn't quite doesn't, yeah. it is, it is really pretty to use, but it doesn't quite have the organizational structure that I, that I need. Yeah. And that's always been Ulysses really forte is it gives you a really nice writing experience, but it also gives you tools and organization. Yep. Um, I've been fiddling with Apple notes for a while. Like I was using bear quite a bit for quick capture. Um, I I've been fiddling with Apple notes and I don't know. It's not great. I feel like it could be better. Um, I don't know. I've, I've been feeling, I, I guess that's not, <laughs> you're asking for favorite delightful apps. Um, I've been using it quite a bit. I don't know if that counts though, as it being favorite and delightful. It's It's been a running theme on our show. I feel like Apple apps are just slowly worming their way into a lot of our workflows because they're getting good enough. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, it is. It has been getting good enough. Um, Audible. I use Audible uh, to listen to books when I'm doing workouts or if I'm in a commute and it's not summertime. Um, because if I'm commuting in the summer, it means I'm in the Jeep with the roof off. And so listening to anything is basically a non, non going. Do you have a preference for, um, audio books? Like, do you like prefer fiction or nonfiction or, you know, certain types of books on audible versus books that you read? Yeah. So all my audible books are nonfiction business books. So I'm reading about business systems or marketing or, um, you know, culture, how to develop culture, stuff like that. Just as I've kind of been growing the, the business more than, than, um, some of the stuff I used to do 10 years ago. Uh, so I've been learning a lot about that. So audible is all the books that I'm reading in that regard. And then for fiction, I read paperback novels. So right now I'm reading Tom Clancy. So I, you know, it's funny. I'm just the opposite because I find uh, those productivity type books. I almost need to read them. Uh, first of all, I like to skip a lot of the the stories in those productivity books. So many of them are just like, I feel like it's like a 50 page book turned into a 250 page book. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I, uh, and then for uh, fiction, I will, I will listen to that. That's like something I can do kind of mindlessly, but, but it is funny. If you, if you're interested in audible, you should give some thought to, what kind of books make sense for you in the audio format? Well, I do both. Like, so I feel like the books that are really like, this is exactly the book that I want and need to read right now. I will read it in, um, you know, paperback or hardback. And then I'll take notes and highlight it and make my index in the back and all that stuff. And then other books that I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. Or I'd like to know more about this. I'll listen to those ones. And then sometimes something will hit with those books. And I'm like, Oh, I want to actually want to, dig into this more and then i'll order the physical copy as well now i'm downloading the otter.ai app so i'm gonna have to try it out sean (laughs) see if i can uh, compare it to siri see how it's doing siri is a lot better with the most recent release i don't know if you tried it or not the 
it used to be a hard 45 second timer, which was totally unacceptable on the phone. Uh, but that's gone now. So, you know, it's got better, but, but Otter, since I'm already paying for it, I might as well give it a try and see what's going on here. Mm -hmm. I like having the audio file as well with it. Cause a lot of times I'll listen back to myself and sometimes that actually works better for me than reading the transcription. Hmm. Well, either way, I am an admirer of the stuff that Sean Blanc puts on the internet over at the suite setup and tools and toys and the various locations you've got out there, Sean. Um, uh, congratulations on your continued success as an independent creator for the internet and all the help you've done. I, I have helped out with some of Sean's focus courses and a very nice group of people. And it seems like it's really transformative for them. And I feel like uh, you're doing good in a world, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Uh, if you want to learn more about Sean, uh, head over to seanblanc.net. That's his website. But uh, you also may want to check out thefocuscourse.com or thesweetsetup.com or toolsandtoys.net. All of those places find some of Sean's various things that he makes. Uh, we are the Mac Power Users. You can find us over at relay.fm slash MPU. Thank you to our sponsors today, Text Expander, Samebox, Squarespace, and Electric. It's a new year, and some of these sponsors have been with us for years. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you went and checked them out. We'll use the links in our show notes and give them a, give them a shake. You may be uh, impressed with them. We're very uh, selective about who we let sponsor the show, and these are great services. Uh, anyway, you can find our forums at talk.macpowerusers.com. So head over there. There's always a nice discussion going on in the forums. And uh, we'll see you next time.